mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 13. We're going to be beginning in verse 1. But if you'll remember with me, in our last text, our evangelist shared Jesus' insights to how the lady who gave two little copper pennies gave more than all the other people in the temple that were giving. Because she gave out of her poverty, out of her want. She had nothing else. She gave everything. And yet others were giving out of their abundance. If I've got some hours left over this week, I'll go to Bible study. If I've got some hours left over this week, God, I'll come to church. If I've got a few minutes left over this week, Lord, I'll do some volunteering for your work. Out of our abundance we give in America. America is the most giving and the most taking country that there is. The church also. We lead the world in both categories. And yet we give out of works. We give out of our abundance. We give thinking that we will please God by our giving instead of surrendering. So many people give out of an abundance. But really God was looking at their giving from the heart. What does it cost you to give to God? How much of a sacrifice is that when you give your life away to God? See, He wants all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as we look at last week's message. He wants all of it. And you and I are supposed to begin training our heart by beginning to give. Not in money. Not in, not in, not in uh, uh, you know, something that you think that, oh, well, I got a little bit left over and I've already paid all my bills, so I'll give God that leftover. See, that's not training your heart to sacrifice. I've said it so many times, you know, when a wife who's called to submit to her husband submits because she's going to Cancun for vacation instead of to Michigan, that's not submission. You're doing something you want to do. So we have to understand the true definition of these things and not just some cultural definition. So giving out of your abundance and giving out if I feel like it, when I feel like it, is not, is not something that you're really giving from a heart that wants to surrender to God. Because you see, God's not broke. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your treasure. What he's doing as a loving father is training you to teach your heart to give, to give yourself away, to, to release these carnal temporal things down here so that when the big battle comes, the decision doesn't have to be made anymore. 
Because you already are trained to, to run to God. You already are trained to give to God. It's training for you in righteousness. It's not for God. So when God asks us to do something or tells us not to do something, it's not for God. But our culture, our mindset, our flesh turns it into everything that we're doing is I'm doing this for God. And he'll love me now because I'm doing this for God. And the gospel is of nothing of that sort. God has already done everything for us. He came and died. He actually, Jesus came and gave all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength for us. And then he says, if you'll believe that and receive my blood atoning sacrifice on the cross, I'll give you all of my righteousness. And you'll have a position in heaven. But then, practically, I want you to begin to surrender to me. And allow me to train your heart as little children, dear little born-again ones. Come to me as a loving father and begin to have your heart trained to obey me. Begin to have your heart trained to follow me. Because there's going to come an evil day. There's going to come an evil day in everybody's life where in that evil day you need to be able to stand in that victory. You need to be able to, when the winds come and the storm comes, is to stand because you've been building on a foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. When COVID comes, you need to know how to deal with it appropriately. When sickness comes, we need to know who to trust in and who the great physician is. When the liar begins to knock on the door and beat down the door, we need to understand that God has already been after us in a loving, kind way to surrender all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and learn to listen to what the Holy Spirit would train us and teach us and to turn to no one else but to Him. Listen, in this life, in this fleshly body, we probably never will be able to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Even though we think sometimes we might be. It won't be until we see Him face to face that we can walk in that perfection. But it's still the goal. It's still the mark. It's still the place that we should be looking at. Surrendering our mind, will, and emotions. Surrendering our vessel. Being dead to self. And about His work. All of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That includes, listen, time, talent, and treasure. Last week's message. Our times are in God's hands. It's all His. Our talents, He gave them to us. Our treasure, they're His. And yet we think that we earn something by giving Him some of them. Oh, I think I'll volunteer this week. And then we think that God is more pleased with us. You can't do anything to make God love you any more than he already does. But you can surrender. You can be changed into the image of the living God. Everything belongs to God. And he wants our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to keep our heart with diligence for out of it flow all the issues of life that's what he's working on 
So where's your heart this morning? What are you giving? Are you on the grow? Are you on the go with God's work? Do we understand what all is? And then in chapter 13, while they're still there in the temple area, then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? That's 13.1. 13.2. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house nor enter into the, take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter for in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. Let's pray. Father, indeed many things and much to look at in your word today. But we pray that you would quicken to our hearts 
That's what would change us to surrender with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Open our spiritual ears to hear what you would say to the church today. Give us a desire to surrender and be led by the Spirit of God today. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. Teach us, Lord, to obey your voice, to hear it and follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I really begin, I want to give you just like a little disclaimer. I guess that's what it might be called. Um, We've addressed all of these issues in Matthew 24. We've addressed it before in Luke 21. We'll address some of it today. If you want to really put it all in an encapsulation, go and look at the video for Matthew 24, Luke 21. Look at this one. Many people interpret this information in different ways. Listen to me. They interpret it in different time periods. I believe it is threefold. I believe it has happened. It is happening, and it's going to happen. This is just my opinion, that it's happening. And it stands for different periods of time, as in A.D. 70, when the, the, the conquerors come in and destroyed, Rome, or destroyed uh, Israel. They tore down the temple. It happened then. I believe it's going to happen futuristically. There's things in here that, that we just don't understand until it's totally revealed. And I just want to keep telling you that. What is the heart that we should have? See, because some people say, oh, this is all just for the nation of Israel. This is not for the church. But it can be interpreted where the church follows every example of what happens in Israel. So if you just say it's only for Israel, then you could actually make that type of a claim for the Old Testament. Well, that was just for Israel. That's not for the church. It's all written as an example. It's all written for you and I so that he has told us, so that we can have peace, we can have rest, we can surrender to what he's doing because we know he's on the throne. Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows the future. He tells us beforehand. So some of it directly relates to Israel and some of it relates to the church. And you say, what? Well, God is amazing. And the biggest part that I want you to see, and I think we're supposed to see, is this. Don't be deceived. See, don't get so caught up chasing the little rabbit's trail, trying to figure out who is the Antichrist, because we're supposed to be looking for Christ, not Antichrist. We're looking for Christ. We're looking to see His face, hear His voice, obey His commands, led by the Spirit of truth, which is Christ. Listen to me. And so many people will get caught up in an argument about whether this has happened or whether it's just for Israel. Now, parts of it I know are just for Israel because the church is going to be gone. But it's all together here in this text. And you need to be careful not to get lost because a lot of times that's what the deceiver wants us to do. To argue, to divide, to be in confusion. And it's clear that when they ask these questions that Jesus said in verse 5, Beware, take heed that no one deceive you. It's just like today in our culture and everything going on in the world. And people are, listen, listen, 
the, the mandate of the church never changes because of what's going on in the world. The mandate of the church never slows or speeds up because of what the world is doing. We continue to go and make disciples and share Jesus regardless of what the world is doing. However, for the last 30, 40, 50 years, the church has been getting its lead from the world. That's why I call it culturanity. Whether, whether Joe Biden is president or Trump is president, it does not change one iota what the Spirit of God is telling you to do. To give all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. To be ready for anything that comes. To be ready for any persecution, any affliction, any deception. This text actually tells us that many will be deceived. Many will come in my name and many will be deceived. Are you going to be one of them? Because you haven't done the first part. You haven't prepared your heart. You haven't been a Berean. You haven't been surrendering your heart to God. And then the, and then the storm comes and the waves crash over and you find out you've been building on sand and it's too late. See, today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for deliverance from this fleshly carnal life that we want to keep chasing. And it's not anything new. It's since the beginning of time. In fact, the carnal life, I don't know if you guys know what a carnival is. It's a festival. A carnival is a festival for carnality. I mean, we used to call everything a carnival. That's it, it, where that word comes from. Carnality, carnal, carnival. Let's turn it into something good. Let's put a whole bunch of games in one place and everybody have fun. And we'll make carnal life look good like it's festive. It's supposed to be dead. Now we call it amusement parks. Now we call it entertainment. We've gotten rid of the word carnival because it's too obvious. And it becomes more deceptive. Let's just entertain our flesh, our carnality, the part that's supposed to be dead. See, careful you're not deceived. That's what Jesus would say to the church. I got a whole bunch of questions, Jesus, and I'd like you to answer them right now. Remember the boys, Acts chapter 1? Will you at this time restore the kingdom? Because they were worried about their own position, their own place, their own self. What they were going to do, they had been jockeying for position. They said, I want to sit at the right hand and him at the left. And he said, it is not for you to know times and seasons. But you, this is what's for you, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To do what? To go chase carnivals? No, to be a witness, a martyr, to witness, to give testimony. Throughout Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But we always have these other questions and we get off on it instead of being a witness of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So I want to bring you back, no matter what interpretation, no matter what interpretation you might have in your mind or been indoctrinated with, not being deceived is what Jesus wants to get across. Walking in the Spirit and being transformed by the renewing of the mind is what Jesus wants to get across. He came to save us. And the devil always wants us biting and devouring each other, arguing and complaining with each other. He wants us always doing something else instead of 
surrendering with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and staying focused on standing in the victory and telling others the testimony of this great love. So with that in context of what's going on, I think four times he says, take heed. He talks about watching, looking, and praying. And I think it's interesting that when he talks about, he says the word watching, and we're not going to get there this week. I think it's later in the chapter when he says watch and pray. Total different word for watch now because you're watching and praying. You're watching in prayer. You're watching in the spirit. Total different word than when you're watching physically, when you're watching and doing something else. It's actually a different word. I got it written down someplace for you. It was real interesting to me how he uses two different words. In fact, in in, in Ephesians 6.18, where we're being told to stand and we're being given our offensive weapons, the sword of the Spirit, and then watching in prayer, that word is uh, the word that means to be sleepless. Huh? It means not to go to sleep during this time. When they're trying to deceive you, don't fall asleep. When you're watching and praying, you don't fall asleep because you're looking to God for help. But when you just watch and there's no prayer, there's no word, there's no fellowship, there's nothing else with it, and you go, I'm just watching, you know what happens? You do like we were talking before service when I was a little kid. And I'm watching, and I'm so excited, and I'm watching, and then my eyes close. And my mom would say, Greg, go to bed, you're asleep. And I go, no, I'm just resting my eyes. I'm not asleep. And see, that's the church today. The church will argue with you in your face. Your flesh will tell you you're not asleep. Listen to me. You're not resting your eyes. If you're not about the Lord's business, you're asleep. If you're not doing what He came to set you free and deliver you and create you to do to win souls, you're asleep in the church. You're not resting your eyes. You're asleep in the culture. And you're not watching and working and waiting the way we're supposed to be until the Lord comes. And it's very important because when we finish this chapter, you see what happens if somebody's not watching the door. You see what happens when they're asleep. They get left behind. The devil wants to entertain you to sleep. So when you're just watching physically and you're watching everybody else do the work of the ministry, you're watching other people who are praying and all you're doing is an admirer of, and warming your hands at the fire, you're asleep. Because the Spirit of God gives you life and the Spirit of God it, it, it sets you on fire to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. The Spirit of God wants you to be working, doing your time, talent, and treasure for God. Not to be saved, but because you're saved. To give a witness, not because you want to earn salvation, but because of the great love of God that has brought you salvation. Or like we read yesterday, if you guys want to turn to Titus 2 with me, I like reading this verse uh, once a month. Oh, wrong one. Titus. T's are all in alphabetical order. So it comes after 1st and 2nd Timothy. Comes after 1st uh, and 2nd 
Thessalonians, after First and Second Timothy, and Titus 2. Listen to this. For the grace of God that brings deliverance from the sin nature, brings salvation, has appeared to all men. How many is all? I love the word all. You don't need a calculator to know that. Teaching. What's he doing? The grace of God. The grace of God is Jesus. Why did he come? To teach us that denying ungodliness saying no to self, denying ungodliness, and yes to Jesus, and worldly lust, we should live soberly, awake, righteously, and godly in the present age. And what are we doing while we do that? We're looking, we're looking, which means, listen to this, you know what looking means in Titus 2.13? To admit, to await, to have confidence, to accept, looking, for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're admitting that He's coming back again. This is how we're supposed to be living, how we're supposed to be walking. And notice that, that Paul's writing to Titus on the island of Crete, and his doctrine's not messed up. He calls Him our great God and Savior, one of the same, who gave Himself for us, God gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us. From every lawless deed. Everything. Redeem us from all of it. Positionally and practically. And purify for himself his own special people. Who are zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort. Rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise your youth. So in this thought of us giving all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in this thought of asking more questions, watch what they say in 13.1. They're going to ask another question. Then he, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? See, they're focused on the building. They're focused on the carnal. They're focused on the temporal. They're looking at the, 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 the majesty of this building that was, it was rebuilt during uh, Ezra's days, some 500 years before. And then uh, Herod, actually trying to be pleasing to them, remodeled it. He did this enormous uh, remodeling uh, project on it. And, and it, it's, ma listen to me. I, I, we don't know what it looked like, but we have pictures of it, and, and it's majestic. There's nothing like it anywhere. Listen, it doesn't exist today, though. It's gone. Think about it. It's gone. It's gone. A.D. 70, it was torn down. Every stone Broken apart. Why? So they could get the gold off of it. They destroyed it. They ended up using it. They dumped it into the ocean and used it as a bridge. Destroyed completely. Burned up by fire. No matter what majesty is down here on this planet will one day be burned up with fire. So whatever you do in an earthly, carnal, temporal way, it's going to be burned up. It's not going to last. It was only a type of that which was in heaven. Hang on to that thought. It's a type of. And only the eternal. What you do for Christ is going to last. Nothing you do for down here in carnality is going to last. It's going to be burned up. Only what's done in the spirit of God for the glory of God in your time, talent, and treasures is going to last. All the rest will go up in smoke. 
If it's not done, we talked about this last week. If it's not done with a motive and a heart to see souls won and to do the will of God in the love of God for the glory of God, it's going to be burnt up because it's carnal, it's fleshly, and God doesn't recognize any of that. Even if you do it for Him, it burns up. This mag- magnificent building, this temple, even to worship God in, was burnt up. It's gone now, it doesn't exist. But they're, they're looking at it going, look what we have here, the presence of God, the building of God, the temple of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We read this last week in 1 Corinthians 3. It's all tied together. And Jesus answered and said to him, it's them do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down, lowered with violence to demolish, to destroy. Can you imagine them looking at that building and thinking that? You're talking about stones that are huge. You're talking about, I mean, a magnificent structure, a temple. Not one stone shall be left upon another. Look at 1 Peter with me, chapter 2. Listen to me. The eternal is what's important, not the physical. Even the physical that's, that's built for God is going to burn. Every church building is going to burn. Listen, we are the living stones now that God is concerned about. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, whose temple you are? He's bought us with a price, and He wants to build us together. He wants to chip away at us and and make us fit together as a body. And the world wants us to stop being in fellowship. The world doesn't want us to meet together, and yet the entire eternal church and bride of Christ is living stones with time, talent, and treasures that were being chipped away and fitted together as a royal priesthood to go and minister to other people. And the only way to do this, Peter says, look, chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, He just said that everything's going to be burned up. Everything's going to fade away, but the Word of God endures forever. Therefore, well, he closes chapter 1 with, Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And it's the same gospel we're supposed to preach to others. You're in 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. 
See, these are the things we're training our heart to lay down as we learn to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're dying to self and the carnival of life. We're laying all that down. As newborn babies, children, we come and desire the pure milk of the word. This is what people who are saved and the spirit of God is in them do. That we may grow and go thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, and he is gracious, he is good, he is amazing. Amazing what he would do to give sinful men salvation and a place in his house coming look here we got to come to him come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need as a living stone he is a living stone he is the chief cornerstone he's the he's the capstone he's the beginning and the end he's rejected by men but chosen by God. He's the anointed. He's the Messiah. He's precious. And then five is where I wanted to get you at. First Peter 2, 5. You also as lively, King James, living stones. You also as living stones. It means alive, quick, not dead. See, when you come to Christ, now you've been made alive. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. Now you are a living stone. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you and you believe in the blood of Jesus. You are being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Nothing in our life is acceptable to God unless it goes through Jesus Christ. Unless it's done because of His glory. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, in Jerusalem, a chief cornerstone. He's elect. He's, he's precious, he's chosen and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Listen, that's a promise. Believe on him and you're not going to be put to shame. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what they do in the world, who the president is. I don't care what policies they make. At the end of it all, when the fire burns it up, we will be with the Lord. Because he's not going to allow us to be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient. Uh-oh. See, there's a difference between those who believe. They're supposed to be being obedient. These that don't believe, they're disobedient. And they reject the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Why do they stumble, Greg? Oh, let's look. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also chosen, appointed, called. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may want proclaim, witness, tell others the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Then he goes on to beg them, and he tells them to obey uh, the earthly ordinances and be a witness and to be ready. And I think right now in our culture, the things that are going on that are chaos and crazy, that right now is the calling of the church even more important than ever. The calling of your heart and the calling of your surrender to the Spirit is more important than ever before. Why? 
Because when they do persecute you in the street, I had a buddy the other day that was in a store. He was minding his own business. He'd done everything he thought he was supposed to do. He's loving and kind. And some old guy walks up that's about 70 years old with his cane and starts yelling at him, talking about going to beat him to death with his cane. And this guy weighs 300 pounds. He's looking at him like, what? And you know what? He could have yelled back. He could have reviled back. He could have made accusations. He could have took the cane and beat the guy to death. And he said, well, I'm sorry. And he went outside and moved his truck. The guy had said that his truck was parked in the wrong place and was blocking his door. And it was so untrue. That guy that had the cane had parked his car too close to it. And then he wanted to blame somebody else. You know what? We need to arm ourselves with the love of God. And keep the main thing the main thing. And be ready to tell them about Jesus. If you just be silent, it's better than turning around and, and, and jumping back on them. But we need to be ready all the more today to say, I'm sorry. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Do you know Jesus? And then he finds out afterward because all the people in the store were going. The owners were saying, listen, you did nothing wrong, James. It's fine. He just found out he has cancer along with everything else going on on the planet, and he just lost it. That's what the, old, the older guy was doing. Listen, our calling right now is to be ready. The storms are coming. The battle's always there, and they're preparing our heart. The decision cannot be made in the storm. It has to already be in your heart, being prepared. Jesus, Jesus, did not make the decision in the garden when he was sweating great drops of blood that he was going to obey God. He made the decision in John chapter 12. When he's talking about unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it can do nothing. He made the decision, then you can go read it yourself. It's called Little Gethsemane. It's when he made the decision so that when he got to the garden of Gethsemane he was already he's already made up in his mind his heart was already declared he already knew that he had to go to the cross and he sweated great drops of blood it's called hematidrosis underneath the anguish and the stress of dying for the sins of the world but he'd already made the decision that he was going to do it it wasn't in question by the time he got to the garden listen the time to decide in your life is not when you're in the battle Tomorrow when you go into the store and somebody shakes a cane at you, that's not the time to decide, I'm going to be a witness to the love of God. Today is the day to decide that. You know what Gethsemane means? I was really amazed. I remembered it. And then I looked it up and I said, yep, it means oil press. Gethsemane means oil press. Did you know that? And oil always stands for the Holy Spirit. And as you go through things and you struggle to obey the will of God, the Holy Spirit is trying to bring obedience out of you and a heart to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The oil press is there on purpose. Just so happens, that's where we're going to be here in the Olivet Discourse. The Mount of Olives is where Gethsemane was at. It was located on that same mount. Are you allowing God now today to squeeze out the oil and let the Holy Spirit decide the dictates of your heart? Let the Holy Spirit decide what you do with the Word of God so that you'll be ready in that day that's coming because it's getting ready to get crazy. And it doesn't matter whether Joe Biden's the president or Donald Trump's the president. It's getting ready to get crazy. 
Because God's going to bring judgment eventually. How can he withhold the judgment on a nation that will kill 600,000 babies a year? How can he withhold it? That's enough right there. I don't have to talk about all the other atrocities we're allowing to happen and committing. Listen. The important thing is not that temple that was thrown down. You as a living stone, are you going to be thrown down? Are you going to stand in the day of battle? Are you going to be ready for the battle to stand in the victory of Christ? Because now we're the temple. That's the temple that's being attacked. The, the, the physical temple is just a picture uh, those years ago that shows that the battle is really against God. It's really coming to the enemy. It's coming against the church, against those that would stand for Jesus. And we are living stones now, being put together as a royal priesthood, his own special people that are supposed to be zealous for good works. Not, not, not our works, not our carnivals, not our entertainment. But God's work of saving souls, that's what he's doing. Everything's about saving souls. Yours first and then the next and then the next. And that's what Jesus knew and he settled it long before he got to the garden. Is it still going to be hard? You can settle it long before you get in that room and you're a single man and a single woman. Long before you get in that room alone together, you can settle in your heart that I'm not going to commit sin and fornication against God. You can settle it long before you get there. But if you wait till you get into that room to make up your mind whether you're going to sin against God, you'll sin against God almost 100% of the time. Because your heart's not even looking to be pleasing to God. But if you're living by faith, your heart's already looking to be pleasing. And he's, he's helping you guard yourself. He's helping you never to put yourself in a place where you're alone with the opposite sex. Something that's huge in my life. You don't want to be alone with the opposite sex. It's not because you don't trust yourself. It's not because you don't trust God. It's not because you don't trust the other person. It's because it's stupid. To put that temptation in your face. It's that simple. So you don't make these decisions. And I'm using something that's huge. Fornication, adultery. But there's a lot of little bitty ones that get you there. Where you make that decision. I'm not going to steal paper clips from work. No, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And you begin to make that decision that you want your heart to have integrity. You want your heart to be trained by God. You want your heart to become more like the loving Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you wait, if you've been waiting, if you haven't started, today's the day to get started. Today's the day for salvation, deliverance from the sin nature, deliverance from deceiving yourself, deliverance from all of this that God came to save you from. But you got to do it His way. And He's told us everything we need to know beforehand. And it has nothing to do about the judgment on the world. You don't want to be in that number. What you want to do is not be deceived and follow a cultural church or culturanity or the synagogues of Satan which are trying to deceive you. What you want to do is be led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are, these are the true children of God. Now as he set, notice he set, verse 3, 13, 3, 
Anytime he's setting, a teacher setting, they're teaching. A teacher would always sit down to teach, and the people would stand in honor of that teacher. Notice that we do it upside down in the culture today. The teacher usually stands and the people sit down. Because we try to do everything to satisfy the carnality of a person. That's why the church is so carnal. Listen to me. This is very important. When we're doing everything upside down, how can we not be deceived? Look at our culture today. Everything about the gospel is your personal love relationship with God. You're supposed to be being a Brian. You're supposed to be spending time with Him. It's not enough to spend time in a congregation, although it's part of the equipping of the saint. But you have a personal responsibility to be building that love relationship and doing your part with your time, talent, and treasure because you're one of the living stones. And if that wall's going up and your living stone is not doing what it's supposed to do, that wall's going to topple over. So you're not just hindering yourself. You begin to hinder other people when you ignore the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So they sat down and he's going to teach and they're on the Mount of Olives. And this is typically called the Olivet Discourse in all the texts. I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm just telling you that. Um, they're, they're the opposite of the temple. They're looking at the temple. And Mark gives us something that most of them don't give us. He gives us the names. What's, look at this. Peter, James, and John. And Andrew, they ask him privately. Have you ever been talking, you guys praying? Talking to God privately? You spend time with God privately to get questions answered? See, when you come to God privately, you come and you go, Lord, I just want. Lord, I just need. Lord, can you do? And, and then he redirects you. So you begin to pray, and then he corrects you. See, that's what he's getting ready to do to these guys. They're like, when's the, and they go, whoa, whoa. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got your eyes fixed on the carnality. You got your eyes fixed on the building. And you need to be careful not to be deceived. Because an evil and perverse generation seeks after a sign, and none will be given except for the Son of Man, who's in the belly of the earth for three days, just as Jonah was. See, and so when you begin to get your eyes on the buildings and the signs, you set yourself up for the Antichrist who's coming with lying signs and wonders. And there is a resurgence of all of this. Where a lot of people are following it and they want to chase these people that are telling everything about their dreams and ever. I mean, and all you have to do really to look at it is go, were they wrong? Yeah, I can give a little bit of grace, but everything they said was wrong. It doesn't line up with the word of God. So stop following them and begin to work on your own personal relationship that, that, is, that is corrected and directed by the spirit of God and the word of God. That is looking into the throne room in the heavenly places where your citizenship is, not down here waiting for a man to tell you what to do. What has God said to you? My sheep hear my voice and follow me, Jesus said. So they're sitting there and these guys come to him privately which is very important to do if you want to ask something, find out something. Prayer is a good thing. If you want to make an accusation or accuse, you should always do it privately after much prayer. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? 
See that? They're, they're looking. They're, they're, they're normal people looking for a sign, but that's not what he wants to direct you at. When will they take place? When will they be completed? Or when is it going to end? Is what the word fulfilled there means. When is it going to be finished? And again, since he's answering about A.D. 70 when the temple is destroyed, but he's also speaking prophetically about the world being destroyed and judgment happening, we have to read it with understanding of what's going on. It's a dual prophecy in some ways. And it's also an answer that's given for them in their culture and an answer for the church who's looking at the examples. Verse 5, and Jesus answering them. Listen, listen, when you're in prayer, God always answers too. It's a good thing to just throw in here. Because so many people say, well, I keep asking, but he's not answering. Oh, he's answering. Yes, no, and wait. And maybe you're just supposed to keep using your time, talent, and treasures for his glory, being a witness, asking him to train your heart, to give yourself completely, heart, soul, mind, and strength until he does clearly say yes or no. But you know how many people keep praying even when God says no? Oh, that wasn't God. I still want that job. I still want that thing. So I'm going to keep asking. God's already said no. And we keep asking and we keep moving in that direction when it's carnal, it's fleshly, it's not godly, it's not what he's doing to train you. How many times, I mean, my grandson does it constantly. I'm like, no, you need to stop. And he just keeps going, no, you need to stop. And then I go, stop. And then he gets mad because I raised my voice at him. I'm like, dude, I've been telling you to quit. You knew chastisement was coming. And then it comes and you're mad at me for it? That's the way we are with God, really. Seriously, think about it. When God loves us and he's saying, stop, stop, don't. That's going to hurt you. Quit. Turn your eyes here. Act like this. Do this. Come into my grace. Follow my way. And then we go, well, that's not fair. God must be mad at me. He's not mad. He loves you with a never-ending love. He's just correcting you. He corrects those in his family. He corrects those he loves. Because he's going to get you across the finish line. So Jesus answered them and began to say, Take heed. Take heed. It means receive, beware, to get a hold of this, to look at this, regard this. Beware that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. Notice there's many coming and they're going to deceive many. That's one thing you can see. Now, now I, I don't know I wasn't there, but I'm told that in that day, and I know we're given at least three accounts in the Bible, in the book of Acts, of people who came and said they were the Christ and they're the one, right? Listen to me. But I also know that we're in that day again, prophetically, futuristically, and there's many coming with answers that are not going to be the right answers. They're going to come and tell you what to do and how to do it. And you have to already know the word of God or you're going to be deceived. And you're going to follow a lying Christ, a lying prophet. It was happening then, it's happening now. 
These things were going on then, prior to A.D. 70, which many of these guys lived to see and watch it fulfilled. And now you and I probably are going to be able to watch some things fulfilled that are going to happen again now. The same atmosphere is coming in again. It happened when the temple was torn down, which is what he's talking about. But it's also talking about the destruction and the end of the age. And you and I are actually witnessing this, this huge assault on the world. It's not, it's not just an assault on America. See, we're bioptic and we think, oh, look what's going on in our country. It's going on in the world because it's one world government. You can call it what you want. You can say, well, it's the deep state just attacking Donald Trump. The deep state has some deep roots. They go all the way down into the pit of hell. It's all the way back to Lucifer. It's all the way back to the devil. It's Satan attacking the world to take over. This isn't about just an American president. This is about the souls of people. This is not about the soul of America like Joe Biden wants to tell you. See, that's only going a little bit. It's really about the souls of the whole world and the souls of life. This is really about saying no to God or yes to God. That's what this is all about. It, it goes all the way back to the garden. It goes through the Tower of Babel. It goes through Nimrod. What was Nimrod? He was a great hunter. What was he hunting? He was hunting souls to steal them from God. That's why Biden and them could put that up on the banners and say, it's about the soul of a nation. No, it's about the soul of each individual who has to make a personal choice and choose to believe in the blood of Jesus or to say, no, God. And you know what happens? Let's just keep moving. Listen, what choice have you made? Are you sure? Are your actions proving that choice? Because he's getting ready to talk about this. Take heed, beware, no one deceives you. What does deceive mean? To cause to roam from safety. We've covered this word many times. It means to, to, to roam from truth and virtue, to go astray, to err, to be seduced. It means to be out of the way. It means not to know the way. Jesus is the way. And if you're out of the way, then you have been deceived. And it's really subtle. Well, how will we know? The Word of God. It's your plumb line. The Spirit of God, it's your plumb line. The body of Christ, it's your accountability. Listen, you can say, I love Jesus, and you're not reading the Word of God. I love Jesus, you're not praying. I love Jesus, you're not being accountable to the body of Christ. It's all the safeguards that God has set up that work together. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. These things all go together to keep us accountable, to make sure that we're not being deceived. And I'm pretty adamant about it because I don't want anybody to be deceived. And I know because of the text that it says many will come in my name. What's that mean? In his character, in his nature, in his will, saying that they're the authority of God. And they're going to come and try to get people and lead them away. And they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. And they'll look real religious, but they'll be chasing after everything except for you to come to the throne room. 
Anybody that draws you after them, any movement that draws you to them, any place that you think, well, they're so charismatic, I'm drawn to them, then that is an idol. You're supposed to be giving God all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I get so tired of people saying, my pastor said, what does the Word of God say? Tell me something about the Word of God. Don't tell me what you heard the pastor say on Sunday, and that's all you got. Start studying the Word and learn to be a voice and not an echo. Because if you're being an echo, you could be actually deceiving others with a false voice, with a lying signs and wonders message, with deception that we see everywhere in the churches and in the streets today. And that's not God's will. God's will is that all of us would come to the saving, the delivering knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not to some false savior. Many are coming, and he's going to. Many of them are going to deceive many. And Christ died for all. But when you hear, listen, he's going to go on to keep talking. Verse seven. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, always and forever, long as man is on the throne. They're going to be fighting. Don't be troubled. That means don't be frightened. It's always been wars. For such things must happen, but, contrast, the end is not yet. It's not fulfilled yet. Verse 8, number of new beginnings. Verse 8, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. These are the beginning of of childbirth. These are the beginning of travail. These are the beginning of what's going to start all this. It's not yet, but it's a good, good warning sign. It's a good thing to look for. Hasn't this been happening since the beginning? It's always been happening. But I want you to see that kingdom, or well, excuse me, nation against nation. Let's deal with them one at a time. I probably read too many verses today, huh? Thought I could get through it. Wars and rumors of wars. It's not a sign of the end. It's a sign of the beginning of the end. You know, what's more a sign of the end is that when they start yelling, peace, peace, I'll bring the nation back together. I can bring the world together. When they start yelling, peace, peace, that's a sign of the end. But the wars have always going to happen because we're always going to be fighting. But when they start saying, peace, peace, then guess what the Bible says? Sudden destruction comes upon them. So when they start yelling, peace, and I can make it better, and Donald Trump is the one that's caused all this division, be careful. There's a liar afoot. I'm not saying Donald Trump's not the liar. I'm just saying there's a liar afoot because it all has its deep roots down in the ground on the devil. It all has its deep roots in darkness. It all has its deep roots in the father of all lies who wants to deliver you back to him with the false synagogues of Satan instead of Jesus, the true deliverer, the true savior, the truth incarnate, delivering you back to the father in heaven. It should scare you should scare us all in a way that would cause us to surrender to Jesus. It's serious stuff. This is not a game. This is not a carnival. 
This is not if I hit it, it's okay. I only spent a couple dollars. This is your soul. This is eternity. And this carnal stuff is going to burn up, but your soul is made to last for eternity. And whose house are you building? Which stone will you be? Where will you be in eternity? There's a house being built in darkness, and there's one being built in the light. There's one that's a solid foundation, and there's one that's sand because it's been crushed completely into a foundation that doesn't work. Now listen, nation against nation. Terrible translation in all Bibles. The word is ethnos. Ethnos, where we get our word ethnicity. Ethnicity against ethnicity. But don't get lost in that even just yet. Because it means a race as of the same habit. See, there's only one race, the human race. But we all have habits. We all are either practicing righteousness or unrighteousness. It means a race of the same habit. Now, if you really chase this out, it means a race of the same habit or custom. But when you go chasing this, I go, oh my goodness, this is going to make my little brain pop. Listen to me what Webster says. Listen, because it's not about skin color, which they want us to fight. You know what? It's not about race reconciliation. It's about reconciliation to God. God's reconciliation of the human soul. But they want us to fight a battle about race reconciliation and and economy reconciliation and climate reconciliation and world reconciliation and let's all be at peace. No, it's about reconciliation to God. And we keep trying to reconcile everything else. That puts you in a carnal burning kingdom if you're working on reconciling the stuff down here because if you reconcile with god first then you'll love your neighbor as yourself if you reconcile with god and you begin to look at loving him with all your heart soul mind and strength you'll love your neighbor as yourself fully reconciled but when you begin to reconcile the the races and reconcile the economy and reconcile the society then you forget that you're supposed to be reconciled with God and there's no way to do it unless you're building your own earthly house that's going to burn and has nothing good for God in it. Listen, ethnos, it means your habit, your customs. It's not color. It means your tribe. Habit is this, 1828 Webster's Dictionary. It's your garb. It's your dress. It's your clothes or your garment in general. Listen, if you've been clothed in Christ as a garment, this world is no longer your habit. This world and what they're doing is no longer your ethnicity, your ethnos. But those two worldviews, those two worldviews are going to keep fighting. What is it? Is it, is, is it a kingdom that's fighting a kingdom? Yes, it's a spiritual kingdom against an earthly kingdom. It's God's kingdom against the kingdom of darkness. And the nations are the habits. What's your habit? What are you clothed in? What garment do you have on? What are you preaching? What are you living? Listen. Second definition is Webster's. A habit is a coat worn by a woman over her other garments. Isn't that interesting? Because we're the bride of Christ. We're women who have on flesh, 
But then God gives us a new creation, a new life, a new habit, a new way of righteousness, and he clothes us in that habit. And yet, we continue to live like the other nation, the worldly, carnal, fleshly. Instead of beginning to learn and grow and go and surrender our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the enemy comes in and he deceives us because we think we're fighting racial tension in the world and there's no such thing. And if there is a such thing, there's absolutely no way to fix it in the flesh. Reconciliation to God is the only way to fix it. And again, love is not love. And when you say love is love, you've just changed the definition of who God is because God is love. So that's totally against Scripture. And yet we have Christians or supposed Christians all across the nation putting signs in the yard that says love is love. No, God is love. It's that simple. That's Scripture. You change Scripture, you just change the church. You just said no to God. You just said, I don't want to hear your voice. We've got a new way of building this Tower of Babel. We're going to bring everybody into the cities. We're going to build great big buildings to heaven. And we're going to prove that we can have our own little utopia. We're going to educate them all and lie to them in the schools. In fact, let me just get a little bit. (sighs) My goodness. I get excited about this stuff. When God uncovers it. And many people would not like to have it uncovered. Let me just read this to you. Oh, a habit. Ethnos. It's it's a race uh, as of the same habit. Is where you get the word habitation from too. You're living in the same place as that other person. That other ethnos. You're believing the same narrative. The same lies. Instead of following the truth. Garb, dress, clothes. I got. It. I took a picture of it. I couldn't write it all down. A disposition or con- condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or by frequent repetition of the same act unrighteousness, sin. Habit is that which is held or retained, the effect of custom or frequent repetition. Hence, we speak of good habits and of bad habits. Frequent drinking of spirits. Anybody sober-minded? You've been drinking some spirits, some other lies, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? Frequent drinking of spirits. They used to call booze that. Now they've changed that so you won't know that so that the syntax doesn't bother you as much and it's okay to drink. It's a cultural thing. But it really drugs that we're legalizing everywhere. They open up realms of demons. Why are we doing it? We can tax them. We can make money off of it. We can keep everybody drunk. Britain is getting ready to put lithium in all their water because they're going to lose more people from the lockdowns to suicide than they will to COVID itself. And they think drugging them will be the answer. Let's give them some drugs and take the edge off so they'll never come to the knowledge of the truth. We'll keep them drugged up. And you know what? They said, oh, don't worry. It's, it's only just a, a small amount. It's going to be regulated by a physician. Oh, yeah, and next year, they're going to give them a little bit more and a little bit more. And that's what happens when you go to a doctor 
to get your peace instead of to the great physician. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let the peace of God, which surpasses all, or what does he say with thanksgiving? Somebody want to finish it? My brain went dead because of the motorcycles. Be anxious for nothing, but all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Sorry, I went off on a rabbit trail. Let's get back. Frequent drinking of spirits leads to a habit of intemperance. You know what? Frequently listening to the lying news, all of its lying news, by the way, all of it, all of it, yeah, definitely including Fox. They're all lying snake news. They're just seven blocks apart, and they're all just leading you to make you think you have two choices in the world. You have two choices of your habit, righteousness and unrighteousness. Christ and death, life and death is what puts before us. The cursing and the blessing, that's what's before us. Not their battle. We're not in their nation. Our kingdom is in heaven. But they want you to narrow it down to confusion. We should endeavor to correct evil habits by a change of practice. A great point in the education of children is to prevent the formation of bad habits. They're being indoctrinated with unrighteous habits in our schools. They're being indoctrinated with, 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 with evolution and with condoms. They're being indoctrinated with safe sex. They're being indoctrinated with books in some school systems that they're not allowed to leave the building and the parents aren't allowed to see them. They're being indoctrinated with a whole bunch of lies about what America is and how we're a bunch of racist white people and that God doesn't really exist. And that this nation wasn't founded by God. Do you know that the governing system is a triune? It's triune also, just like God. It's all been done by God blessing this country. And when you snub your nose in the face of God and say, we'll kill as many babies as we want while we live in our little carnivals. We'll do what we want while we live in our little carnivals. Do you think he's not going to judge us? Israel is his firstborn and he judged them. Look what happened to them. And he's still got a future blessing for them. What's your habit today? What are you clothed in today? See, the battle out in the street, they want you to face on the carnal, but it's really the habit of who you're serving. It's your worldview. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you've got a problem with that verse, the very first verse of the Bible, your habit is worldly. Your habit is underneath the sway of the wicked one. God created. Now you've got to believe everything else in the Bible if you believe He created. If He can speak things into existence, He can get you a book that's a love letter that's got everything you need to know about life and godliness in it. Getting a little excited here. I think we'll move on. So it's going to be nation against nation, habit against habit, mindset against mindset. Question is, are you being deceived? 
Or are you listening to the mind of Christ? See, because that's what we're supposed to be putting on, the mind of Christ. And it's supposed to be guarded with a helmet of salvation. Because you know you're righteous in Christ because He's righteous. The question, the question should not come up when battles go on. Am I saved? That should be settled because you got a helmet on. You're a soldier in the army of the living God. And we're all subject to deception. Everybody. As long as you're still alive and breathing, you're subject to deception. You're subject to be led away. You're subject to be seduced. You're subject to be led away, out of the way, and go astray. And that's why you have to stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship. That's why you have to stay in the place of God blessing you. That's why you have to be watching and waiting and working. You can't grow weary and start go to sleep and forget about it. And as he talks about in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21, you say, my master is delaying and you begin to get drunk with the others, you begin to, to live in a life that's not sober, that's not waiting, watching, and working. You begin to do all the things in the carnival and ignore the fact that God has called you out. He's given you a new habit, a new righteousness, a new life. He's clothed you with a new garb that you're supposed to go out and be a witness. Easy to fall asleep. question is, will you be awake when He comes? Remember, he went into the garden and he told the boys to pray and wait here. And he kept coming back and they were asleep already. He says, can't you wait? Can't you pray? We're all subject to that. Nation will rise against nation. Habit against habit. Mindset against mindset. Worldview against worldview. Kingdom against kingdom. That's the rule. That's the reign. That can, be, that can be other kingdoms against kingdom, but it means royalty, rule, realm. It means a kingdom. And we have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of, of, of light, the kingdom of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All these other things have been happening. There's earthquakes. We know that. I don't want to even talk about the increase. It doesn't matter. They're only the beginning of sorrows anyway. The big earthquake that's going to be mattering, listen, when Christ comes and he puts his feet in the Valley of Megiddo and he splits the Mount of Olives. He's going to split it in half. That's the earthquake we need to be dealing with because it's going to be the final battle there in the Valley of Jezreel, the Battle of Armageddon, and the blood's going to be up to the bridle of horses when he judges. That's going to be a crazy day. But I'm going to be behind him. In fact, when I, he, he's going to be telling me, get off of my horse, Greg. Get your own horse. Because I'm going to be that close to him. Sitting in the same horse with him. And horses always speak of power, strength, and might. We want to be sitting on his horse with him. All of us. When he comes to set up that earthly reign, the millennial kingdom, and judge the enemies of the cross. Listen, earthquakes are earthquakes. The body's groaning for redemption. It's groaning more and more because just like in a baby's getting ready to be birthed, the labor pains get closer and closer together. It's in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. But he says this is just the beginning of travail. It's not the end yet. 
but watch out for yourself. No way we can get through that. Watch out for yourself. Don't be deceived, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. Now listen to me, because this can be dual still. This did happen. This did happen under Nero. They were beaten. They were killed. But the word synagogues there just means the assembly. Synagogues is the assembly of persons. It can be a Jewish synagogue, but it can just be a meeting place or a congregation. So the same thing can happen once again if it's a dual prophecy. You will be brought before rulers and kings. Uh, Why? Why would we be brought before them to be killed? No. For my sake, for a testimony to them. How you deal with it, where your heart's prepared, what you say will be a witness to those people. We've seen Paul do it. We've seen the scriptures say it. As they killed James and they killed all the disciples eventually. John was the one that they couldn't kill. They threw him off the pinnacle, it says, and they boiled him in hot tar, it says, and then they cast him to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Later he goes back and he, I think he died of a good old age as a pastor in Ephesus is what I believe happened. And John means the grace of God. God is gracious. Take heed. Beware. That's the question here. That's the answer here. That's the decision here. You don't have to know eschatology, the study of end times, perfectly to beware. To do due diligence in your own temple. To allow God to shape your own stone that you're being a part of. You do not have to understand end times, but you know it's coming. You do not have to have a perfect opinion of it because chances are you don't. The nation of Israel didn't. You can understand it better. You can study it some. But if you're not being careful that you're deceived, you'll start following a rabbit trail. And I am not against eschatology. I am not against end times. They're going to happen. They're coming. But they're in God's hands also, just like every day. What are you doing today? To beware, so that you're not counted in the number of many that were deceived by the Antichrist who's coming with lying signs and wonders because God's going to allow him to do it. God is allowing everything going on in society today. You can blame it on the Democrats if you want, but God is allowing it. He's sovereign in the affairs of men. You can blame it on Antifa, Black Lives Matter. You can blame it on anybody you want. You can blame it on your spouse. But this is a spiritual kingdom. This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual war. This is not about carnal things that are going to die and be burnt up. But if you divide, (laughs) I got to do it. If you take the year 2020 and divide it by 666 you get 303 point what is it 30330 when you divide that the soul of a nation text joe at 30330 and it just so happens if you divide 2020 by 666 that's what you get 30330 repeating isn't that amazing That doesn't make Trump any better. I'm just saying, isn't that amazing? 
that the battle that the devil tells you a lot of stuff. That Joe Biden said, and, and I watched it several times on a video to the, to the people. He said, you don't have to vote me into office, but when I get in, will you support me? Joe Biden said, we put together the best fraud team in the world for this election. The devil always leaves his self open and vulnerable and divided. And I'm not telling you that Trump's any better. That's not my point. This stuff is nothing new. This stuff is from the devil. But where's your kingdom? What's your calling? What's your gifts, talents, and abilities? What are you going to be talking about tomorrow? What are you looking to get into people's lives about? Because you want something? Or to tell them about Jesus? Are you chasing the carnival? Or are you chasing Jesus? Are you looking to win souls? Or do you think that everybody's your enemy? These are important questions we need to ask people because many are being deceived by the lying church. You want to blame it on the world? They've been evil forever, just like we were at one time. It's the church that's lying to us in many cases, not the true church, the bride of Christ. But most of the churches started following all this ethnos, and they've joined in it, and they've taken a knee with it. I'm not bowing my knee to anybody but Jesus Christ. You better make that decision right now or you'll be bowing your knee to escape later. During these days, when they began the persecution, so many of Nero's soldiers got saved because people wouldn't bow the knee. People went to their death as martyrs because they were being a witness. And it was a witness to the soldiers who guarded them and led them to it. That the there's, there's testimony that they would cut a hole in the ice to kill them. And as the soldiers led them up and the people would just go in happily to meet Jesus, that some of the soldiers just jumped in. And they went too. They get saved also. That's the witness we're supposed to be to this world. When they're mad, they're angry, they're frustrated. They don't know what's going on. Do you think it helps them to stand and argue with them over a mask? Do you think it helps their eternal soul to stand and argue with them over a vote? No, it hardens their heart. They don't want to hear you. We've got to be ready to say, yes, and do you know Jesus died for you? Yes, and do you know that this is all a lie and Jesus died for you? We've got to be armed with the gospel. Not with a bunch of arguing flesh debating over what we're going to do yes the truth is the truth but the truth is is that we're here to win souls we've been bought with a price and our calling is to share jesus with people and to be on the grow we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to obey all that i commanded you and he said lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age nobody's going to do it perfectly nobody's going to give their heart soul mind and street completely apart from the holy spirit but that's the mark that's still where we're aiming that's where we're going And we have to guard our hearts so that we're not deceived and receive what Christ has for us. 
we'll pick up verse 10 tells us the gospel must be first preached to all nations same word again ethnos we'll pick up on verse 10 next week god willing Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in the name of Christ, saying, I am he, and deceive many. Wide is the gate to destruction, and many go there. And narrow is the gate to life, and few find it. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that we would not be deceived, because we know that all of us are subject to deception, to go astray, to fall asleep. We pray, Lord, that we would be about your business. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Thank you that all we have to do is ask for forgiveness and you're there. You long to give us forgiveness. You long to lead us. Give us a desire to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship and to use our gifts, talents, and abilities for your glory. Have your way with us, Lord. We pray for salvation of souls in our community, in our sphere of influence. We pray that we would not be deceived. And we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Cause I